Well, we're here at the Career Pro Inc. podcast. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Uh, he goes by the name the TED Talk Whisperer, but Devin, tell us more about that right up front. Well, uh, my in-laws get a kick out of it and kind of are annoyed by it because they're real horse people and they knew the horse whisperer himself. But um, one of my clients very early on um, exclaimed that someone overheard it and it just kind of picked up from there. So you just have to roll with it. It's just kind of a nickname, isn't it, then? just uh, It is. So it isn't something you chose to be more marketing sensitive. It was something given to you, bestowed upon you. I suppose that's true. And uh, I resisted it for a while, and then it just kept coming up. And a Washington Post interview uh, referenced it, and, and it stuck from then on. You know, I recently did a podcast about the importance of of speaking in your career, whether you're a professional speaker or not. And many of my clients, just to keep themselves up and going, whether they're in, everybody's in some kind of career or life transition, but TED Talks make so much sense and they're so helpful. And even we have regional TED Talks, TEDx's and things like that. Where do you come down in the whole, you know, YouTube phenomena of, of the TED Talks and, and what's one of the main messages you want to impart? Well, I, I say regularly that TED Talks uh, introduced an absolute paradigm shift in how we share ideas from stage and screen. And that's one of the hidden ahas for speakers, especially uh, professional speakers. They're always thinking about the butts and the seats in the auditorium, and they apply that to the TED Talk context. But since I've been trainers, we have always zoned in on the true audience that's where the numbers come from. That's where the shares come from that are on screen watching on YouTube or on TED.com. What are some of the things that you that you think is important to impart to the listeners today about the importance of TED Talks, the importance of pr- improving your own speaking abilities, and, and what can they learn, for example, when they work with someone like you or, or hear some of the information that Devin's putting out, the TED Talk Whisperer? Well, why is a TED Talk unlike any sermon you've heard before, keynote you've heard before, motivational speech, even sales pitch or elevator pitch? It's because they share all TED Talks that really take off and um, become uber popular, share some common characteristics. Now, there are uh, a number of differentiators we can touch on later, perhaps, but the three common differentiators are that TED Talks are clearly focused in the TED style, story wrapped in the TED style, and action igniting. Now, that sounds like common sense, and uh, it is, but it's different in the TED uh, context. And sadly, common sense isn't always commonly applied on stage or on the screen. That's, uh, That's very true. What are some of the things that does I hear? Here's a question for you that I think it's really important. Do we each have a, at least one TED Talk in us? Or do you think, oh, that's just for the you know, special people that have been, this, this idea, this life experience has been bestowed upon them. We can't get close to that. Or do we have that inside of us? You know, I regularly work with uh, speakers who have six or seven TED Talks inside them. 
six or seven big ideas that they need to sift and sort and distill down to one for one talk on one stage um, and then turn to those others later if they're going to do that heavy lift. But yes, I think uh, you know the majority of thinking and active and leaders uh, do have a TED Talk in them. It's just sadly too many step to stage without having done the prep work to refine, hone, and ensure that that message is, again, clearly focused, story wrapped, and action igniting. If they don't really consciously pour in to the TED Talk opportunity, they're going to have a TEDx dud that's going to sit on YouTube, and it's a meh, maybe, and it's just not going to jump out of the minors onto the major league stage, if you will. How important, how important it is, is it, if you're going to put a talk out there and you're relatively new to speaking, how important it is to, to either, go, you know, let me just get something out or work on quality. Just, work on just, quality. Okay. This is a long process. It's not a, hey, I'm going to give a TED Talk because my, my cousin lives next door to the local TEDx organizer. That's a huge mistake. Number one, not all TEDx stages are created equal. TEDx is a volunteer-run uh, organization with 3,000 stages worldwide in 2019. Now, post-COVID, we'll see where the numbers are. But 2019, there were 3,000 TEDx stages with four to 20 speakers per event. And if you do the math, and I'm referencing a post-it note because I was homeschooled, that's 12,000 to 60,000 new TEDx talks in one year. Those, the majority of those are, don't see the light of day besides friends and family and coworkers because the speakers, the idea shapers uh, stumbled or fumbled or really didn't lean into the opportunity. But those that do and spend the three to six months refining, honing, rehearsing, working on their stagecraft, those are the, the, the standouts. And thankfully, I've had the opportunity to work with a, a number of those, including Dr. Robert Waldinger, who is Harvard's, uh, is Harvard's researcher who looks at health and happiness in the lives of men. And he's, he's walking towards 40 million views probably uh, midsummer. Wow. Is there any, uh, what secrets can you impart to, to doing some of the homework or some of the preparation before working with you or, or, or coming out with some of this practice? What's some of the pre-prep stages that we should be aware of if we're interested in giving a significant talk, a, a TEDx, a TED Talk? Well, we regularly come alongside thought leaders and headster hopefuls who have a fully formed script and message, and those that have a couple post-it notes. And frankly, the fully formed script and message very quickly tends to turn back into post-it notes because starting at that milling stage where the ideas are being challenged and reshaped and tested and refined, that's, that's critical. And it's actually a process that a speaker returns to again and again in the three to six months that we're working with someone. So we, we encourage people to think it through. Um, often there's an author that comes alongside and their, their book is, was on the best-selling list or it's, it's uh, out of print. But that idea um, is ripe to get reshaped 
into a message in the TED style. Now, would it be helpful if, um, one, I mean, I, a lot of folks just wonder how in the world to become a, a, a TED Talk coach, uh, much less a uh, whisperer. And um, the other is happy to unpack what I mean by a clearly focused message, a, a yeah, story wrapped that. message. Love that, yes. Um, well, you know, everyone that uh, trains in the TED speaker space, and there are a lot of very talented and uh, accomplished folks. I just happen to be one with the best haircut. I'm at the shaved dome here. Um, <laughs> the, the reality is everybody comes to it differently. I just uh, was running a nonprofit in Tampa, Florida, and uh, this was 2006, seven. And I watched the first TED Talks released on YouTube. And that's part of the magic of TED timing, right? It was a new tight format of story sharing on stage with a countdown clock, right? Um, no one was doing that at the time. And secondly, YouTube was new. And third, social media was new. And TED leveraged those three innovations in that special space such that when the first six TED Talks were released, the staffers in New York were flabbergasted to, to note 10,000 views, 100,000 views. And within a few weeks, a million views of a few of those talks. Um, well, I was running my nonprofit thinking about history and how you get young people bit by the history bug. And this, this uh, video lecture series really caught, fascinated me. Um, 2008, boom, the economy face flops us into the pavement. And I go licking my wounds to graduate school uh, to deconstruct TED. Now, what grad program do you enroll in, right? Uh, is it an MBA? Is it a uh, communications pro? I, I picked seminary because that was the family business, so to speak, going back a few generations. Well, going back to the Protestant Reformation. And I was the black sheep of the family that didn't want to be in the pulpit, but I wanted to, to leverage the insight set of hundreds of years of message and idea shaping and sharing um, to to deconstruct why TED Talks were so viral, so um, explosive, and so life-changing. And that's, that's one of the, uh, you know, the tagline is ideas worth spreading, but these are ideas that change lives and change our world. And that shared in my mind a little bit with the Gospel Charter. And what about, you know, I'm curious, you mentioned you were homeschooled. Did, did any of that impact your ability to listen, listen and also whisper. Huh. I suppose there's something to that. That is a interesting question. I've never chewed on that before, but sure, you know, there there's something to the homeschool reality in the 1970s. Um, that uh, right, right. The so listening was very much part of one of those soft skills. I think I leaned into as a young person, uh, Boy Scouts and otherwise. And, uh, you know, I was listening to your, Gary Tomlinson's The Art of Telling. And that, you know, that message, um, that podcast message resonated. Um, you know, the other thing was homeschooling allowed us to deep dive into any interest. And my father had an interest that I'd be on a stump someday <laughs> playing the political uh, uh, game. Wasn't, you know, my future in my mind, but um, that meant by 14, I had professional public speaking coaches 
working with me on my senior patrol leader um, speech. (laughs) And I think in retrospect, that factored into a little bit of what I uh, found was my gifting and, and, and calling, which is coming alongside thought leaders and authors who have an idea to share and spread uh, to make the world a better place. That's awesome. What, what, what's some of the surprising fears or concerns that thought leaders and authors have, maybe like the rest of people who don't have, maybe not just yet considered a thought leader or an author yet uh, of, of scale? What fears and problems do they face that maybe we all face in preparing for these TED Talks? Well, I, I will say it, the, the imposter syndrome mindset is, is not an uncommon reality. Uh, and it, and it's, I, it's, it's unexpected in some ways because no one is asked to give a TED Talk, whether a TEDx or a big TED stage talk who's not at the apex of their career. But there's a lot of self-doubt uh, among us all. And I think behind the velvet curtain, when they're about to step on stage, we're all really the same. Nervous is all hell, uh, insecure and scared until my speakers step into their routine that is akin, by the time they're ready to step on the stage, akin to a Cirque du Soleil performer. Um, the, The regimen and the discipline and the repetition of the rehearsal process takes over. Now, I know a couple of uh, Cirque du Soleilers, and they're nervous before they swing. Well, they ought to be. They're about risking their life every show I've seen. It's pretty fantastic. But, you know, lives are being changed with TED Talks. Do you see the future of TED Talks continuing the way it is? Will they stay as important as they have been in the past to, to a lot of people? Paradigm shift for this generation and, and for decades to come, in my estimation. You know, every everything kind of peaks and down cycles, but Ted and its leadership are are true innovators. They are always redefining what Ted is and how ideas can spread. And so, you know, COVID saw a number of innovations that I think are going to play out over the next uh, three to five years in a in a nifty and different way. Um, you know, Ted Talks. When you look at those first six that were released in two thousand and six. Skip forward um, three years, and that's when TEDx, that innovation came to life. And they essentially open sourced this elite invitation only, very expensive conference that was born out of Silicon Valley. And they open sourced it to the world and invited cities and organizers to step up and, and host and curate their own uh, stage and speakers. And and that was an innovation. That was a, whoa, let's experiment. And so that mindset uh, will bode well in the coming years. Um, Now, I I get a kick every now and again. I've seen one uh, buddy on on, uh, YouTube who has in his headline, not a TED speaker. So at some point, you know, um, uh, the the, the brand is going to overstep itself to a degree. But um, if they keep the quality, high. Um, those, those ideas will bubble to the surface. And here's the thing, right? Six, seven billion collective views right now of TED Talks. That's not the eh, to maybe to not good enough TEDx talk that's wallowing away on YouTube and didn't jump from 
you know, the farm league, double AA, A, triple A baseball minors to the big game. Those 6 billion views, largely speaking, are of the top, say, 250 talks on TED. Now, there's some 4,000 talks on TED.com, but those, the best of the best of the best tend to be the overriding majority of the views. And what that does is it raises the expectation level of audiences and the standard by which a speaker uh, needs to step to stage. And so, you know, the quality issue is um, is one that, you know, the marketplace of ideas sorts. What are, why do people need, I think people need a coach, even the top performers in every sport have a coach. Why, why do you need to be in that whispering situation with an author and a thought leader? Why do people need coaches in general? I, I think that's well played in the, in the world of TED, but how important is it to have someone alongside of you during this journey to really bring out your best? Well, you know, let me step back to seminary, right? You know, I was I was not in a homiletics program. You know, the that's fancy word for preaching. I was in a uh, leadership servant leadership master's program, which was the most flexible. It allowed me a lot of independent uh, study and research, and um, and that servant posture, in retrospect, uh, serves me well. I am a Sherpa who's been up and down Mount Everest many times, but you're the hiker, the thought leader, the, the, the niche expert who wants to get up safely and down, but is going to be holding that flag as I take the photo right now. I know where the, uh, the path is a little sandy and rocky and unsafe. I know where the grass is smooth, but the wind is really bad and we don't want to pitch our tent there. There's uh, a world of expertise that, you know, an experience that comes with hundreds of times up and down that mountain. Every talk is different, but the process is ever refining. So I've been at this about six uh, odd years now after school. And, uh, you know, they're, they're like a TED Talk script and delivery that iteratively gets better. Uh, rehearsal after rehearsal, focus group after focus group. So to the training, and that's that's where someone who one doesn't have the the logo or the name, uh, but first and foremost has the baseball stats to back them up, right? Um, uh, can bring something really potent uh, to the idea sharing model. You talk a lot about connect to compel. I love that phrase. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, part of part of the uh, challenge is connecting with an audience, right? And why are we doing that? What is that all about? It's to compel them to action. And so when I when I talk about the the essential framework that defines TED Talk message skills being threefold, uh, clearly focused in the TED style, story wrapped in action inspiring. That is the uh, differentiator there. Too many um, you know, speakers leave a hyped up audience that aren't sure what to do next or ask, ask too much of them. You know, we're going to save the whales. We're going to save the ocean. We're going to clean the water of all plastic. Well, that's great. But what can I do now? Small steps forward. And that's what action igniting is in the TED style, right? These are 
small, repeatable steps that take you up to the ocean's edge, holding the hand of your child and pointing at plastic and saying, we're going to pick that up. And that's a step in the direction. And hopefully that spreads towards picking plastic all over the beach. But um, people need actionable next steps. I learned this from Billy Graham, right? Not personally through Billy Graham, but one of Billy Graham's uh, closest associates, uh, Lyman Coleman, actually, was, was Billy Graham's driver, Mary Billy Graham's um, secretary. And over the years, was uh, the youth leader kind of follow up after the Crusades. And, and he said, you know, Devin, we want to change lives, but that can't happen on Wednesday. Ask yourself, what in a message on Sunday can be applied Monday in your relationship with your spouse, relationship with your children in the workplace? I need an application, and that's the terminology in homiletics. I need the application uh, to change my world Monday, not someday. And that is, in my estimation, why Dr. Robert Waldinger's uh, message resonated so strongly. Now, very quickly, you know, his big idea was the good life is built with good relationships. And he knew this, one, because he's lived the good life for 40 years, <laughs> married to the same woman, raised a couple of healthy, uh, productive kids in the same home. Um, but he also has headed up a research project at Harvard that's run for 75 years. He's the fourth director of this study, looking at what elements make for a healthy and productive and long-living life. And um, so that idea set was uh, distilled down into the good life is built with good relationships. And then three key points, right? Um, and the action-inspiring element of that was and this sounds like common sense, and it is, but it's uncommonly applied. Do something new together. Take long walks, date nights. Reach out to that family member you haven't spoken to in years and heal that rift because those divisions are painful and cutting and shorten your life and theirs. He has the Harvard research to back up these assertions. And let me ask, is there one thing you just heard that you couldn't do tonight? Nice, nice. What's what it is going to inspire you in in after us coming out of such a tough 2020 for most people even if you thrived a little bit personally there's been so much pain around us how important is it to you to work on your own brand to really come out flying what are you excited about and what are you excited about for your clients in 2021 2022 well i'm i'm really excited about the energy that's been cooking with thought leaders who haven't been able to move to stage and share and spread their ideas, obviously. But I will say this, I learned something painfully in 2020. Um, I learned uh, too much is, is way, way too much. And a lot less is a lot better. We uh, were in Boston and I had just wrapped up uh, attending TED Med, which is the medical kind of TED expression. And we got an email from the organizers saying our photographer uh, came down with COVID. Thankfully, she recovered. She was younger and healthier, but still. She um, was, had just been a photographer at a prior event, which was that Biogen super spreader event. And I went into two weeks of isolation, and I came out of that with my big aha. And that was, you know, we needed to get the heck out of Dodge. And my wife, for the first time, uh, was able to work remote. My daughter was no longer in school, and I'd been on Zoom for five or six years. So 
we um, became COVID refugees in Montana. And, and yet with a, a, a kid learning from home, like so many families faced, uh, there was an awareness that productive in that season was maybe 30% of what I used to be. And that was a painful lesson to learn over the last year. And I, I decided this year, and here we are halfway through the year, right, that a little bit is plenty enough this year, too. And I, I think like it's going to be the same in 2022 because too many people are going to hit afterburners and just burn their engines and their relationships, which are already frayed uh, uh, beyond what's healthy and productive. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, it's, a, it's a challenge I remind myself with a shaving mirror note um, yes. uh, because naturally, you know, our impulse is to go catch up and do more and, and, um, exceed whatever was possible, but too much is too much. And, and I've had a practice for years now that I call Thinker Thursdays. In 2020, it got redefined because I couldn't spend the whole day um, over a lunch, extended lunch with a thinker. I couldn't spend the whole day in Boston reading and writing. Um, but that was always my priority to have a, an island in my work week where thinking, deep thinking and conversation was possible. And I think I need, uh, you know, I need more Thinker Thursday in 2022 uh, than I, I had in 2020, that's for sure. Well, I like that perspective. We don't want to burn out our engines, but we want to engage, connect to compel, love that. As we wind down, how do people get a hold of you? How do, what if they have questions connecting with you, they, they want to refer someone to you, they want to work with you, or they want to just ask, you know, a couple of questions that maybe weren't answered on this podcast. Thank you for being our guest today. Oh, no. And thank you for the invitation. And um, I tell you what, we didn't dive into it too deeply, the clearly focused, the story wrapped elements, there are five mm -hmm. elements that make for a sticky story. The, well, so what, what I'd, what I'd like to tantalizing story about that because I want people uh, wanting more out of this podcast. I know I definitely do. Well, I'm, I'm happy to make a, a resource available to your listeners. If they um, navigate to connect to compel now.com, mm -hmm. there's a resource there that unpacked the, at the time, 30 million. Now we're approaching 40 million views of Dr. Waldinger's talk and deconstructs that talk along these principles wow. and also shares some other Ted talks that illustrate these principles further. So that, that learning resource is, is there. And again, connect to compelnow.com will get that in their inbox. And that gives, that gives people a chance to kind of see that work unfolding and then maybe to engage with you if they need to. It does. And whether or not I work with you or one of your uh, listeners someday, there are resources there that will unpack TED and why the TED model of communications is so potent and so applicable to different circumstances. Frankly, I wouldn't go into an interview unless I had my big idea, my three key points, and my actionable you know, next steps clearly defined, right? Much less a sticky story that's going to be shared by the interviewer with their superiors or peers in the decision-making process. One of my buddies, Nels Olson at Corn Ferry, which um, you know specializes in recruiting and whatnot, you know, says, "What is the story that's being told of the story that took place in that interview?" 
That's strong. That's super strong. All right, my last question for you. You really seem very family and people connected. How does family inspire you? Your the way you grew up to your family today. How does that still inspire you to do what you do and inspire others? Well, I I you know, backstory quickly, I started this out of seminary when my wife's career took us to Boston. And so I knew three three people in Boston, my wife, my daughter, and a professor up at uh, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, who coincidentally was, I found, organizing a TED-style conference. So that was kind of the fulcrum. But I was a stay-at-home dad because I wanted our daughter strapped on my belly for a couple of years. Mom had had her full-time for a couple of years while I was in grad school. And, and the lessons I learned there continue to inform uh, the priorities in my business. In fact, we organized the business coming out of that Faith at Work Head Style Summit um, so that it would be family friendly and remote work and Zoom in, you know, uh, six years ago was our norm. Uh, and saying no to more all the time was one of the organizing priorities of our, our, our business at the time and still is. That's inspiring. Ted, the TED Talk Whisperer, Devin, appreciate your time today. Appreciate you and what you're doing. Um, I'm working on some of my content so I can come to you and get, get squared away on the TED Talk circuit. <laughs> well, John, I would, I would relish that. And uh, it's great to meet you. And I hope this was a benefit to your listeners and look forward to continuing uh, the conversation. Great stuff. Thank you, man. All right. <laughs>